0: Hello, my name is Ryan Broderick, and I am wearing a blue shirt with purple pants, and I can't decide if it looks good in like a cool way, or if I look like a blueberry.
1: I am uh, Luke Bailey, I am wearing a white t-shirt and black jeans, as I have been for about three years now, uh, <laughs> uh, and I got sunburned for the first time this year at the weekend.
0: Wow, how did you get yeah. sunburned?
1: Well, basically, uh, we were going to meet some friends in the park, uh, but before that, Uh, Like in the morning, I have to go for like long walks. So I went for like a long walk between like nine and like half 11 or something. Yeah. And then got back. And like that, I'd used up my sun allocation for the day. Like that was clearly it. Right. Because, you know, it's April, the sun's just coming out here. And then I went and sat in the park for like six hours during the, from like one till seven when it was incredibly hot and very sunny over here. And it has not been that so far this year. So yeah, I, yeah, I really fucked up. I just spent eight hours outside with no sun cream.
0: That was a mistake. I didn't think about this when I asked this question of like, how did you get sunburned? And the answer was just like, I was outside in the sun for a while. And I didn't really think that through. Okay. Okay. Uh, welcome to the Content Minds. This week, we are talking about outrage bait. Specifically, we're going to talk about why uh, the right wing, particularly in America right now, is constantly trying to piss you off with fake dumb shit that isn't real, uh, and why it works so well, especially right now. But before we get to that, Luke, how was the internet this week? Um, It felt kind of... Uh, I'm trying
1: to think of a good word for it. Maybe cantankerous
0: hmm like a little grumpy i feel like i
1: came across a lot of fighting a lot yeah grumpy just like yeah very punchy
0: i uh feel like right now there's not like a central narrative and so it's kind of like um the very beginning of a Fortnite match where like everyone's running around the map having little skirmishes before the storm starts to set in and then everyone like gets consolidated into one area we're between we're between news stories again That's that's what keeps happening,
1: yeah. So that's actually really interesting, because that leans into something I want to talk about, which is the death of the Oscars.
0: Ooh, not only did I not watch the Oscars, I have not seen a single Oscar movie, and I forgot they were happening because I was watching Naked and Afraid, (laughs) which is a really good reality show.
1: This is exactly what I mean. Like, I, I find it fascinating how irrelevant they've become in, like, five years.
0: Yeah, there's, like, nothing... Last year, I was sort of in... Inve- was it last year? When was Parasite? It was last year? Uh, Two years ago? No. I want to say. No, because Parasite was the, was the third to last and the last movie I oh, saw in yeah, it was 2020. It was in 2020. Theaters. Right, yeah. Because the last three movies I saw in movie theaters before the pandemic were Parasite, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, and then Parasite again. Right. <laughs> a perfect trio of films to close out my movie-going experience. Um, I was personally invested last year... parasite simply because i loved that movie and i wanted it to win and it was very exciting when it won
1: well i mean so i think your experience of the oscars this year is the typical experience of the oscars this year which are that i did not you did not care and did not get involved but i think like the plunge
0: this year is fascinating so i've seen these numbers but for people who haven't how big is this this viewership plunge
1: well so there's kind of two plunges one was the plunge this year uh-huh. so this is the u.s numbers obviously it's a stupid time for the rest of the world so you know what's the point um but last year was a record low for like a while uh which was 23.64 million and right. then this year it was under 10 million right i think a it was 58 like 58 percent drop
0: it was like 5 million or something right it was it was single digits no, no it was 9.8 million okay still single yeah. digits that's crazy
1: yeah it was a 58 percent drop but in 2014, it was above 43 million. That's
0: that's so, so crazy.
1: Yeah, it has dropped more than 75% in six years, seven years.
0: So here's something I was thinking about the other day. I was thinking about the time that Miley Cyrus twerked, and it like became the story in the entire world for at least two weeks. And it was like the whole world was watching the VMAs, I believe it was. And it was like that. Sounds very VMS. It was a big deal because people watched award shows, and then there was that other time where, like, what was it? Tina Fey and Amy Poehler hosted the Golden Globes, and everyone was like clearly shit faced. I think that's that. That was yeah. That was the time. time. There
1: was a time I think two or three years ago, Ricky Gervais had a thing that went quite big when he was
0: oh, when he just like made fun of everybody, and it was like really out of control. Yeah, like in the in the like when I think about the years between like twenty twelve. And 2015, I think about award shows as like this really big thing in my life. And part of me suspects it's because award shows were really easy for really, really cheap digital media outlets to cover like a big deal because there's so much social media data to like scoop up for stories. So it like became this thing. But I feel like that's not true anymore. And like people just like don't care.
1: Well, I think that basic instinct is still true. But I think because that social media stuff is so big and so industrialized isn't quite the right word, but it's so consistent. It's now, it's quite hard to now look at it as a, if you wake up, if like for me, obviously I'm going to miss it because I'm asleep, right. but if you wake up, I'm not particularly bothered about reading because it's just everywhere and it's fine. Everyone's done the same, you know, 25 posts and the winners and it's, it feels like so accessible, and the way that the internet's done it means that there's now no excitement of doing it live, and it's just totally stripped that away.
0: Right. If something were really crazy, if if something were gonna happen that was totally crazy at the Oscars, there is actually no reason to watch it live because it will be live on your social media feeds.
1: Yeah, exactly, and and as a result, like I I can. I understand like, significantly why that huge drop-offs in 2014 happened. And then that's also added to the fact that no one saw any movies last year because the cinemas weren't open.
0: I mean, this is it. Like, the the, <laughs> the only movie that I really, like, excited... Well, no, okay, I saw a couple quarantine movies. I saw the one that was, like, Groundhog's Day, but with Andy Samberg. That was pretty fun. And...
1: No idea what movie that is.
0: Oh, it's, this is the thing.
1: Everything is now stripped But and I'm like, I... D- d- it doesn't get the same release, so it doesn't have the same cultural moment, so I just don't know what you're talking
0: about. Oh, it was on Hulu here, which you don't even have access to over there. No. Um, oh, I saw Mortal Kombat last weekend. Sure. That was okay. sick. Uh, my only big gripe with it is that there is no actual Mortal Kombat in the film, but the Snyder Cut, like, that was a big thing. I. The, but, yeah, it's true. Like, movies... movies matter very little (laughs) at the moment. Like I don't really care about movies and I especially don't care if they're any good. The fact that they existed all is enough because it's like, okay, I have nothing to do. I will watch this movie. I do not care if it's good. And so the idea of a competition for good movies in 2020 and 2021 is absurd to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I, I I agree with that. It's yeah. I think so. Yeah. The combination of the pandemic and, the fact that the idea of a live award show, and suddenly you get the experience of, oh my god, everyone's watching at the same time. The memes are great. I can enjoy Ellen DeGeneres doing a selfie, and can get <laughs> we can't, we can't to get to derailed
0: whatever. by the Ellen DeGeneres selfie again. We can't yeah, go down that path. Gone. Yeah. It's just gone. <laughs> well, there's like, no all point of this. To it. The excitement is just yeah. It's completely. I mean, lost. compare though, like the excitement of the Oscars this year and the lack thereof to the Suez Canal. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, that's what, like, or the Josh fight. Like, people are interested in experiencing live moments together, but they're not interested in experiencing what used to qualify as an interesting live moment.
1: Yeah, it needs to be organic now. Or It feels like it needs to be much more organic.
0: Actually, to bring it back to the drunken glo- Golden Globes that one year, which I think, hold on, let me just double check because I want to get this right. Ah, uh, was it, what was it? Yes. So it was the 2013 Golden Globes and Tina Fey and Amy Poehler hosted it and everyone was completely drunk and it was like kind of produced bad and it was an absolute riot to watch. And I feel like that is the spirit of what the internet wants out of live moments. Like they don't want something that's like polished and interesting and exciting. They want something that is like kind of campy and ridiculous to dunk on and turn into content for themselves. So it's like, I don't want to watch a good thing I would like to share the experience together with other people of watching like a slightly dumb thing.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, Yeah. That shared experience now needs to be. Yeah. yeah, It's just different now. (laughs) God, it's, uh, I don't have a human amount more insight than that. It's just different now. (laughs) And I feel like award shows are going to go down and down and down. And it's just very hard to think of them as, as a significant thing. And I'm also really interested. I, I obviously wasn't, like, around for it, but I'm fascinated to know, like, how big they were in, like, the 50s, 60s, and 70s and stuff, and whether or not, you know, they kind of blew up to this enormous thing and then kind of collapsed.
0: I definitely think the 90s were kind of, like, the 90s were a maximalist period for everything in terms of media. Wow, in 1998, so titanic
1: year, it was 60 million people watched it.
0: I would say the titanic era is, like, when I think of the Oscars, that's what I think of. I think of the titanic era. I think of, like, you know, Harrison Ford's like like, 90s, like, fugitive kind of era. Like, I think of that. I don't think of uh, whatever movies are now. I don't, you know, like...
1: Wow. Okay, so between 1974 and 2007, it never dropped below 35 million viewers. It dropped below in 2008, but then was above until 2017, at which point it started dropping into the low
0: 20s. I mean, look, I had the choice this week of watching the Oscars or a special Naked and Afraid XL Legends edition where they take 12 returning people and have them compete against each other in the Louisiana Bayou over three months from fall to winter. Wow. I'm going to watch that. I'm going to watch.
1: That does sound better.
0: I'm going to watch naked people fighting alligators in the swamp instead of watching the Oscars because at least. There's some like interesting conflicts with the naked people who are fighting various alligators and spiders and stuff.
1: That does sound better.
0: What else you got for me this week?
1: Um, I kind of want to uh, talk about the, the Chinese reality show contestant. Let's do it. Lelouch. Uh, I'm fascinated by by watching this as it uh, kind of speaks to both the... It is a, taking the American reality show format and applying it to a country where the concept of work... And contracts is more aggressive, meaning that yeah, someone can inadvertently be on a reality show against their will, which I find incredibly funny. So,
0: so do a do a little rundown of this story for people who might not be following it.
1: Sure. So, uh, basically, there's this um, a Russian guy. He spoke Chinese. He was at this uh, reality show as a as a translator, basically, uh, but was also really good looking. Uh, someone in the production crew persuaded him to like get involved and like try out for this boy band. This uh, I don't actually know the name for uh, Chinese pop music. Is it, was it also K-pop? or No, it would be C-pop. It's C-pop. Okay, right. So he was trying out for basically a C-pop band. Uh, as he got into the process, he realized very, very quickly that he hated it. <laughs> and therefore, half-heartedly uh, performed his songs while begging the audience to vote him off. And they refused for 11 weeks as he got further and further into this competition that he desperately, desperately wanted to leave. Uh, but was contractually obligated to stay on, and had he got to the very end, would have been contractually obliged to form a C-pop band against his will.
0: So his name is Vladislav Ivanov, and he's 27 years old, and he was trapped (laughs) inside (laughs) of China's version of, like, America's Got Talent or The Voice or something, um, and yes, he would have been forced to become a boy band uh, <laughs> if he had won. It is a nightmare. Um, C pop. If you've never really listened to it, it's. N- I don't think it's as good as K pop uh, or J pop. I think it's like a little hokier. Uh It's getting better, but it's definitely considered lamer uh because like china in general kind of has a coolness problem uh you know for reasons um yeah (laughs) uh, and yeah i mean it's really it's also really interesting because i i was talking to a friend of mine who who's lived in china for a really long time and he made a really good point that like in a country where there is no spontaneity at all pretty much there is a genuine hunger from like chinese viewers and chinese internet users of like Bodie mcboat face moments and when they're allowed yeah. to do it, there's like a, there's like a real, real interest in doing it. And that's sort of, I think what powered this is like this guy wanting to get off and everyone be like, no, because this is like the most exciting thing that's happened in our media in a long time.
1: Well, there was also another strand of it where people were saying like, let him nine, nine, six, which is one of the darkest parts of it, which is basically the the Chinese working practice where you work from 9am to 9pm, six days a week. Uh, so it's just yeah it's over what's that 70 72 days yeah 72 it's a hour week. um so yeah it's just a, a kind of an awful time and a nightmare and the fact that everyone's like ha, it's really funny that he's doing all this work against his will just like we have to is it's a very dark insight
0: yeah it's uh it's like the truman show but like somehow way more fucked up because he knows he's in it
1: <laughs> yeah exactly uh and going on for other Similar Black Mirror things because that is that is extremely close to a chunk of Black Mirror. Yeah. Um, there was a video going around this week which I did want to kind of mention because every now and again I see a video like this and it really haunts me in a way that I feel like is going to end very badly. Mm. Um, which is the clip of the guy at the the desk you know, I think it was a Holiday Inn, might have been Hilton.
0: Uh, so, okay. Um, I I had a whole thing about this that I've tried to put in garbage like twice this week and it's just it's so dark that. I didn't even really know how to fully talk about it. So it's a it's a clerk at a Holiday Inn. He has a mental health crisis on camera as uh, a, a black customer is filming him, and then it was amplified by some pretty gnarly Twitter accounts that yeah. use social justice in a pretty perverse and like fairly toxic way. Um, and then I found the guy's Reddit account and I've been spending some time following it. He shaved his head. He claims that he has borderline personality disorder with schizo, uh, like schizophrenic behavior. Um, and like users are trying to like go fund money for him. Um, he, he's like posting really radically. It's like a really dark look into like. Yeah. this whole thing um i'm obviously not going to play any clips from the video in this i think it's just no. like a really dark thing i think the thing that really adds the darkness to it is the fact that both people in the video
1: are aware that he is that the the person filming is filming him in order to essentially ruin his life yeah. and it is a such a you very occasionally see this in specific videos where it feels like it's just there was one, uh, few. I probably see, maybe longer than maybe probably over a year ago now, where basically um, someone, it was actually kind of similar. Someone accused a woman of saying something offensive or cutting. No, it was cutting her up in traffic. That was it. It was cutting her up in traffic and basically followed her home and was like filming outside of her house and her like license plate as she like just lost it and was just screaming about like please don't ruin my life. Basically.
0: Oh, I remember. And there's this,
1: this there's this incredibly like fucked up thing where. You know, I don't think we're particularly into the idea of like cancel culture as a real thing. Uh, I don't think it is. I think it is mostly, you know, the cliche way of saying it's mostly consequence culture. But there is an element of it where people are so aware of it on the other end that it can be, you know, if there's a no one, I don't, you don't know what they did. Maybe they did something bad. Maybe they didn't. Maybe the punishment will be of being like. Some people will snigger at them on the internet. Will be proportionate. Maybe it won't be, but you don't know that at the time, and neither of the people in that video have control over it. And if someone is essentially pointing a, uh, you know, a, a loaded gun at them, and you know it may have a bullet in the chamber, it may not. They don't know. You don't know. Let's see what happens. And it's that kind of like just incredible risk that, yeah, I think you know leads to this, where he is just he says at one point in the video like, "You've ruined my life" to the guy filming him. Uh, and I think it's incredibly clear that he's aware that he's being filmed and how badly it could go for him. And he just does not know a way
0: out of it. Yeah, there's like this thing that happens like a lot in America in particular, because it's like a, it's almost like a glitch in the way like our First Amendment works, where I felt this way about the woman who attacked the the young black guy about the phone in the hotel and. When the video first came out, it was like, okay, like she had like a racist episode and this is like unacceptable. And she's like trying to like take the phone from him because she thinks that he stole it from her. It turns out the phone was just like in an Uber. Right. And then later she ends up doing like this completely insane morning show interview with a lawyer where like she's yelling at the host of the morning show. She's like yelling at her lawyer. And I just like, I watched the clip of it and I just came away with this feeling of just like, what is like what is this like what are we doing like and and we don't it's it's a really complicated thing because like like the camera phone and the ability to upload footage from the camera phone to the internet has completely changed the way we understand race in America in a way that like in it, it is like a revolutionary thing and it's like that tweet that goes around a lot where it's like it's not that police violence is new it's that we can see it now
1: yeah I mean that is that is precisely why george floyd uh the murder of George Floyd was convicted.
0: Yes, exactly. And yet, and yet at the same time, there is this like exploitative element to it where, I mean, to compare it to a gun isn't totally crazy because it's like, I can use my air 15 to fight boars. Sure. But I can also (laughs) use it to cause a lot of pain and misery to people. And the, the, the holiday in one, I, yeah, going through his Reddit account was a really disturbing and really upsetting thing because the guy obviously has a lot of mental illness but there's also just, like, this element to it where it's, like, the idea of, like, an underpaid, overworked millennial who's not getting the proper mental health treatment they need being, like, turned into viral content against their will. And it just, like, felt like such an about-face metaphor for, like, everything we talk about on this show where it's just, like, I don't know. I don't want to get too – I don't want to get too, too Charlie Booker, but the idea of, like, being forcibly uploaded to me is, like, a really, like – it's a really fucked up thing. That's been really bothering me. Actually. I'm, I'm very glad. I, yeah. I didn't know you were going to bring it up, but I'm very glad you brought it up cause I'm, it, this idea that like you can be turned into viral content against your will is just like, it's real. I don't know. Um, and there's no easy answers to it. There's no like, well, you know, cancel culture. Like, no, that's not true.
1: Yeah. It is. It is a, it's a really complicated one. And, and I, yeah, just watching people like kind of have the awareness on camera uh, that whatever they've done, whether it is uh, a genuine thing that they've done, or a non-genuine thing that they've done, or somewhere in between, which most of them probably are, is realize that it's potentially going to change the rest of their life is such a like a disturbing thing to see. It's it's because yeah, it's dark. There's like there's been study studies done on like what the most stressful jobs are, uh, and basically it, it comes down to the seriousness of consequences and the number of people involved. So if you look at, for example, an F1 driver, they weirdly don't actually find it that stressful because the worst thing that happens is that they die. That's right. like the the thing. Air traffic Whereas controller though. Uh yeah, always the number one in these things because yeah, if it goes wrong, they kill hundreds and hundreds of people. But yeah, if you're a you know a a, a minimum wage worker in a uh in a hotel, then you should not particularly be under that sort of stress. Like the worst thing that should happen is a customer gets mad and yells at you because you screwed up their reservation. Like that's basically the worst thing that could happen. Instead, suddenly they find themselves in a position where, yeah, they're probably working minimum wage or a little bit above it, uh, having potentially their entire life ruined.
0: Yeah, I've I, I had this like realization a few years ago, and it, like, it has bothered me for a very long time, and I've I've really struggled with how to put it into words. But there are these there's this blog way back called People of Walmart. Yeah. And this blog, if you've, if you've never – you've definitely seen it. Anyone listening to this, yeah, you've yeah. definitely seen it. But if you haven't, it would take photos of basically poor, mentally unwell people doing funny, weird things in Walmart. Or just like maybe they're, maybe they're normal people and they're just like they don't give a shit because they're in Walmart. Whatever. It's like, it's like pictures of people in Walmarts doing weird stuff. But if you look at it for too long, you start to notice a pattern, which is these people like seem to be unwell or they seem to be, you know, uh, lower income. It it starts to feel kind of mean. And then when this trend of like filming and harassing service workers started to appear a couple of years ago, I I started to feel like this idea forming where we're using consumer technology to turn like places where working people work into like pvp battlefields yeah there's this thing that we're doing to people who are working behind the counters of places in like hotels or you know uh fast food places or or walmart's or target i mean we're
1: doing it to people who are just existing in public it's never attractive white people who are the m- subject of mockery
0: no never we've we it, that, that's exactly right we've turned public spaces into free into like digital free digital content free-for-alls and yeah. and we're just like We're putting people up on the internet and like, and it's really hard to talk about because it is tied to genuinely good things. Like this is not the podcast where two white guys talk about how like it's dangerous to like film the police. Um, It is dangerous to film the police because they will hurt you, but like it's not a bad (laughs) thing. Um, And yet that same thing is tied to exploitation of people who don't deserve it. Um, And I think that's actually a very good segue into talking about outrage bait. Um, Yeah, let's do it. So let's do it. Uh, I don't have a funny ending to that segment there.
1: No, that was segment that was never going to end amusingly,
0: okay. Well, let's play our very bright and happy music now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this week we're talking about a thing that's not new, particularly, and yet it does feel new. And the way that I've been describing it is outrage bait. I think that's like the the easiest word for this. It has shades of cancel culture and and like sort of like right wing hysteria. But there's two really good examples, and I want to um, use a tweet from Dave Weigel. He covers politics for the Washington Post, and he tweeted um, about two recent stories, and I think he kind of like creates the the thread here really clearly, which is. We got Biden is going to force you to consume 90 percent less meat. And Kamala Harris's book is part of a gift package for migrants this weekend, though it seems only the second got elevated to a question in the Brady room. All fake. Lots of people falling for it. And that tweet was sort of a light bulb moment for me where I was like, oh, yeah, those are like that's like the same idea. That's the same information warfare tactic, which is create a thing that isn't real and then get everybody super pissed off about it and then talk about it ad nauseum. And it goes back to a very important tweet that we have to talk about before we get into this, which is the toilet gun tweet. Are you familiar with the toilet gun tweet?
1: Uh, I'm going to say that I'm not.
0: You definitely are. Okay.
1: I don't know, man. Toilets are like 30% of all the tweets and guns are like 40%. So
0: So this tweet is from a user named Toilet Gun, And the tweet is, Twitter is 90% someone imagining a guy tricking themselves into believing that that guy exists and then getting mad about it. Yeah. And that is essentially all of politics in America right now, especially more than ever.
1: Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Everyone's mad at uh, <laughs> everyone is mad at things that aren't happening.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, okay. Say, say more about that because that's actually a really good way to think about this. Which is that these things aren't real, and yet the anger around them is real enough to make them sort of half real. Well,
1: this 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 whole thing strays into. I mean, it strays hard into cultural territory because it is the stuff that is is tuned to make people mad. Like, you know, it is people burning the flag or whatever it is. Well, that's actually protected by free speech, but people will still get mad if you do it. Uh, Well, they will in the US. I don't know if they will in the UK. I haven't tried it. Uh, You should, yeah,
0: you should just burn a British flag and see what happens.
1: Yeah, I'll go to like a a Britain First rally or something and see what
0: happens. Yeah, just fuck around and find out.
1: Yeah, for content. Um, Yeah, so... What then happens is that, you know, someone picks up a story, and it is usually a story that is has a a grain of truth into it, but is more complicated than a headline makes it seem. And that's a general problem with writing headlines. Like, if you write the most accurate headline, the most accurate headline is often not interesting. So you then write the more interesting headline, and then you need to figure out that there isn't match, and then you kind of need to rework the headline to make it kind of hit the sweet spot. And it's, you know, headline writing is, is a real skill, and I think is responsible for an awful lot of this that uh, fundamentally you no longer read a newspaper well many people don't read a newspaper where they pick up a page and understand that the headline is one part of a larger story you see the headline somewhere else and then see it decontextualized you don't know where it comes from you don't know if it's the onion you don't know if it's the new york times you don't know if it's um Macedonia New York Times or whatever dodgy site they've come up with to
0: kind of one try that, and make it look like it is the one that i uh that's where, that's where i get most of my money for bitcoin is through a macedonian sure. fake news operation that i run in my spare yeah, time yeah. um and then you you so you, you end up with this situation where
1: the headlines aren't quite right the sources aren't quite right but the gist of the story that's going out to people is targeted at a using a grain of truth to make up a thing that is not really happening but could theoretically be happening if you squint and look at something sideways and then sometimes it goes it's the
0: kind of story it's the kind of story where if someone was like that's not real you're like yeah but like it's something they would definitely do
1: yes it's exactly that which is the um i I mean i think the one this week that kind of got me most was actually the the, uh the kamal harris story uh and basically the story that the u.s government was giving children copies migrant children copies of her book
0: right so the, so this would imply
1: that the u.s government knew where all these children were which as far as i know they don't this would also problem i mean
0: it's also predicated on the idea that the u.s government is organized enough to give children anywhere all the same book yeah that's like a very complicated operation for our government like
1: if yeah. ICE was able to distribute books, then they would be a much better
0: organization. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think they're very good at that. Um, yes, yes. So this was started by a New York Post article. The article has since been uh, amended to explain that it was based on used books being given to migrant children in a facility. And one of the books in that, like... um one of the books that was given to the children was Kamala Harris's book.
1: Yeah, there was basically there was a a donation drive for books for these children. And one of the books donated by a random member of the public was this book.
0: Yes. And so it ended up inspiring many questions from reporters who like took it to like the White House press conference. And were asking, like, were there federal funds used to buy all the books for the migrant children? But it's I mean, there's, there are a lot of good tweets for some pretty more seasoned political reporters who are just like, guys, think that entire thing through. Like, do you yeah. think that that is possible? Like, that, that, is, that is an outrageous thing to assume is possible, based especially on one story from the New York Post, who the uh, writer of that story has now resigned. Um, apparently, she was not a normal politics reporter. She was like an overnight beat reporter. And she f- yeah. said that she was... Um, forced to write it
1: would you like to take a wild guess at the british outlet at which the ed- new editor of the new york post is from
0: the sun it is what i think is really fascinating though is that this tactic this tactic t- has been around forever right like using tabloid nonsense to fuel the ideology of the right that is true in like every country it works it's very good
1: well this is i mean this is the central thing about tabloids and then online tabloids which i think is has never been correctly passed in any country and obviously the u.s only really have many tabloids that have made it to the digital age uh the new york post is probably it maybe
0: i mean I, my long-held theory is that american politics started to go down the drain really fast the minute uh british tabloids figured out how to hack seo good enough to get americans to read them by accident
1: sure i mean that's that's important but it was part of it's just because there were a lot of british tabloids yeah you guys like, you
0: have a lot of them you guys love
1: them we, We've talked about this a lot, but broadly, the the way to think about the US and the UK is that um, the UK TV news is heavily regulated and quite serious, which is why we don't have Fox News, but the press is less well regulated, which is why we have places like The Sun and The Mirror. Whereas, uh, yeah, the US has MSNBC and Fox, which are wild for different reasons, uh, but its newspapers are all The Washington Post and The New York Times, The LA Times, which work really hard to be like, gospel truth. Exactly. There's a flip in the UK which means that a lot of there was a lot of british tabloids with it who brought tabloid sensibility to it and you know it's not like tabloids are all bad. They are fun, they are lively, they are a good way to get news out. I like
0: tabloids. I think tabloid I mean the New York Post ha- is is responsible for the greatest headline of all time which is headless body found in topless bar.
1: That's that's not the the greatest headline of all time. Name
0: a better headline than that headline.
1: The best headline of all
0: time is um oh i think i know what you're gonna say
1: what am i gonna say
0: is it the guy with the soccer hooligan who kicked the terrace in the ball no 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 this was uh from
1: the uh 2000 this was the the um it uh, it was actually a football headline from the year 2000 uh which was when uh celtic lost a game surprisingly to cali thistle uh and the headline was super cali Gobalistic celtic are atrocious
0: say that again slow
1: (laughs) super super cali
0: Gobalistic celtic are atrocious that's really good. Right? Um, I do think there's a possibility that NPR may have topped both of those with a tweet yesterday. Okay. Which is, I'm going to read it. It's 210 characters. I counted because it's amazing. <laughs> good news. Prancer, the 13-pound gremlin chihuahua who hates men and children and was described as a vessel for traumatized Victorian child. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I can do this, I can do this all day (laughs) Good news Prancer, the 13 pound gremlin chihuahua Who hates men and children And was described as a vessel For a traumatized Victorian child Has been adopted by a 36 year old Single lesbian in Connecticut it's good. It's not a headline, but as far as news tweets go, I think that's a hall of famer. Um, that's pretty strong. Okay, wait. So, I, to, to, bring, <laughs> so to, I got, to bring it back, I got distracted by the ugly, the ugly chihuahua. Um
1: There is a problem that if you pick up the Sun newspaper, or the New York Post, or the. Mirror or whatever that Australian one is that does all the nonsense, um, uh, all of them, literally all, all, of, all them. of them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's, if you're ever wondering you, like why is Australia so fucked up, it's because Rupert Murdoch owns literally all of the media. So nothing. I I had to work there for approximately one week, and trying to understand literally anything that was going on was so maddening that eventually I just gave up. I was like, there's no way to know what's happening in this country because it's all nonsense.
1: Exactly. So. What you end up with is, in context, you pick one of those papers up because it's buried amongst uh, horoscopes and stories about uh, children falling down wells in all this like weird, fun human stuff. It's really clear like the 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 strength that you put on it and the trust you put in it. The problem is once it goes online, that's stripped away because you see it out of context, and therefore the kind of tabloid approach to things has its has its pitfalls, and some of them are. A story that you could put on page I don't know page seventeen as a you know single column wing and it's not going to do much, uh, but it's quite a fun story goes online with the same precedence as you know your big splash, which means if people or the wrong people find it or the headline isn't quite right or it's overplayed basically the potential for it to go really big and then result in a question being asked to the White House is really high
0: i mean this is also why like I don't scoff at people who are like. Yeah. In the early 2000s, I listened to Alex Jones and it's like, okay, well, yeah, before Facebook, before Google, before there was any sort of like recommendation engine that was giving people Alex Jones all the time. If you wanted to go seek out like this crazy guy from Texas's radio show and listen to it like you could. And like, you know, he's in like Richard Linklater films like he's in a scanner Darkly, He's like kidnapped in a van. And he was I read a story years ago about like the, uh what Williamsburg was like in the very like early 2000s and they refer to like this crazy Austin radio DJ named Alex Jones who's hanging out with the vice guys and stuff
1: there's a podcast there's a podcast where uh John Ronson interviews sorry it's one of these two the two people interview each other it's Louis Theroux and John Ronson oh okay um, so yeah two middle-class British men speaking slowly um <laughs> you gotta listen to like 1.8 speed it's it's it takes a while uh, but they both talk about their experience with Alex Jones in yeah, basically the early 2000s. And they both have the same thing, that he just seemed like a kind of harmless figure who, you know, was not quite right. But, you know, let him get on with it, whatever.
0: This is also the problem with all of the discourse around Joe Rogan at the moment, where it's like Joe Rogan and his like dumb podcast about smoking DMT and how strong chimps are is a, a, a weird oddity and probably not great for everyone to listen to. Then he's given hundreds of millions of dollars and becomes the flagship product of Spotify, and suddenly that's an issue. Um, and
1: does absolutely nothing differently, which is which drives me insane. He's been given hundreds of millions of dollars, and he's like, uh yeah, turn to light up here.
0: I mean uh, what, the, where is the money going? Obviously into stockpiles of assault weapons on his like farm in Texas or wherever the hell he is. Sure. I guess that makes sense. But this but this is this is it, right? Like when your tabloids are not. Blasting you in the face constantly on the internet. They're like fun and harmless. And now they can be weaponized. And I I think the first big story of this current like trend we're seeing is the Hunter Biden laptop story where you see like the right wing tabloids going after this story that like, is it true? This is not the podcast to listen to if you want to know whether or not the Hunter Biden story holds any water. Um, But I'll tell you that it was absolutely weaponized by every single right-wing grifter and every single tabloid in the world. And ever since then, there's basically been like a new story every week or two that like bubbles up out of the sun or the New York Post or, uh, you know, wherever. And then is the number one thing that anyone can talk about and is going to start impacting policy in some way. Like, it's, it's these things are getting stickier. And the, the beef one uh, from last weekend is another good example, where it's like, it's not based on anything. Like, it's literally... Well, it
1: was, no, it was, it was based on a report. And there was a report out that said, like, hey, if you want to do this climate thing... Uh- no, 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 no.
0: It was based on a study... That said, right. here is the simplest way that we can show you what your diet would mean in terms of climate change. And then it was taken by tabloids, and then they, which then said, if Biden were to eliminate, if Biden were to try to do a climate reform in this particular way, according to this study, which tried to use the simplest way to determine how much meat you would have to give up to hit that goal, this is how much meat you would have to not eat.
1: I mean, also everyone should do that.
0: I mean, sure, but like, <laughs> like,
1: drives, like one of the most, one of the wildest things about this story was that I was, I was listening. It was like, I mean, they've got a point. Like everyone should stop eating beef.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, and that's going to keep happening, and and, that, and and it's unfortunate because like you know things aren't organized. So at the same time that you have Biden. Not saying that about beef, while every Republican is claiming he did. You then have sites like Epicurious coming out and being like, "We're not gonna, we we haven't been publishing about beef for over a year, and we're not gonna write about beef anymore." And everyone's like, "See what happened?" And it's like they're not connected. These things aren't connected. Oh,
1: I loved the Epicurious statement. It was such a perfect way to do it, which is that you like you test it. You don't make the big splash about it. You know, if you if you're gonna stop writing about beef, or I don't know, leave Twitter. You don't make a huge splash about it because then you, if you when you go back on it twenty three days later, uh, you're going to have to be like, Oh, well, yeah, I didn't mean it.
0: Is that the exact amount of time that Chrissy Teigen was off Twitter? Yes. Twenty three days? Okay. I figured oh, I did my head. I, I figured that was the <laughs> that was the number yeah. you were using.
1: But that's that's exactly it. Like what you do is you try it and you say, Hey, how can we phase out beef? And it's like, you can phase out beef, you can do Thanksgiving recipes with mushrooms and, and whatever and then it's like, cool. And then if you a uh, year later and you can like, Hey, by the way, we stopped doing this like a year ago. We're not making a big PR thing about it, but we did make a big PR thing about it then, because like, why would we? It was just a change in in how what recipes we did.
0: I uh, I've I've had a gu- I've had a lot of good luck recently with eggplant. I'm a big eggplant, fan. eggplant, aubergine okay. uh, for you.
1: Yeah, I, I know. I I read enough sites on the internet. Like serious serious eats is a, is a really good site for getting good recipes from, and it constantly tells me the wrong names for things.
0: Oh, and I didn't know this when I came back. So before I left for the UK. I did not like zucchini and then I decided I loved courgettes. And then I came back to America and discovered that courgettes are zucchinis. So that's good. Uh, also very good. That's pretty good. But, so, it, you know, this, this podcast, it's a centrist podcast. I think that we've always got to hear both sides. So, you know, we've been talking a lot about the right wing this week and how they're giant piss babies with full diapers that are always angry at fake bullshit on the Internet. So I think it's important that, like, for the sake of balance and to maintain our centrist dad stance, I found an example from the left. God. That's all jokes. Um, this is this is a genuinely crazy thing. and And this is one of the. The few times I think in my career writing and thinking and talking about this stuff where I was like, I literally don't know what the fix is here. Like I don't know what we do. Um, so did you see the thing about the French model whose videos were stolen to make a, a TikTok account? Yeah. I, I did. Okay, so for those of you who are listening and don't know what I'm talking about. Um, I just covered this in Garbage Day, like literally right before this podcast. And I was like, ah, ah this is crazy. OK, so um, and, and I want to thank uh, the Discord user from the Garbage Day Discord loser name for dropping this in this morning because I looked at it and I was like, fuck, I don't know what to do with this. So so what happened was an account called Monique Delacroix. Started posting videos of like her. Dan- I can't
1: believe that turned out to be a fake name.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. So she, she's uh, the uh, the account has uh, videos of the same kind of like pretty young woman dancing, and the f- and the text on the videos is all like dumb, ignorant, like insensitive bullshit. Uh, the one that like I fell for when I saw it on Tumblr was text that said, "Don't you know basically like, don't assume I'm white because I'm white passing."
1: That's the one I saw as well. I'm
0: seventy five percent French and twenty five percent Belgian, and like. Okay, that's that's I ex- I I fell for the bait. That's really good. That's a really good troll. So this account was called Monique Delacroix. She's like dancing and uh it turns out that all the videos are of a woman named Julie Tuzet. Uh Julie Tuzet? Julie Tuzet? Uh it's
1: good French. I love how how good your French is. Dude,
0: French last names could go anywhere, man. Like Tuzet? <laughs> It's, it's not her. Uh, she's a, a French musician and model, and she noticed that her videos were being taken and used to, like, promote, like, racist bullshit. And um, the whole thing was going on for, like, a re- like, way longer than it needed to. And I had actually people in my Twitter mentions today telling me that they were trying to report the, the fake account and, like, TikTok really wasn't doing anything about it. And worst of all, the fake racist version of Julie was outperforming the real Julie.
1: Well, yeah, because it's offensive.
0: Not because of people agreeing with her, but because people being like, "Of course, this like right, this white woman is going to be racist on the internet." And like, of course, like we have plenty of examples of white women being super racist on the internet, especially this year. Uh, it's been a big year for that. But it's like, what do you do with this? Like, because this this feels new to me.
1: Yeah, it does. It does feel new. Um, it's also partly because the, the, those four months are now so easy to fake. Like the the growth of Watching videos with the sound off means that everyone has subtitles, which means you can just put sub- whatever subtitles you want, want on top of it. Um, so it's not that surprising that this is, you know, it, it is a, a very easy format to make and make, uh, make, yeah, outrage bait like that. <sighs> yeah, I don't know how what the solution to that is other than, I mean, it's not a solution to it. But, you know, it's platforms. It's all, it always comes down to platforms. <laughs> as always platforms need to be moderated they need to have humans for every 1000 new users you should have to hire a new human to moderate them uh and but they're too big to do that and therefore it'll never happen and therefore we just have to live with this dystopia that we've created because they've pursued growth at the cost of the you know success the success of humanity
0: itself yeah i mean there's also just like it's almost kind of gone too far at this point where There's really no incentives to stop this. Like at every stage of the content cycle, like people would rather share the thing they're all mad about than not because, like, it's like a road with no speed limit. Like, there's no part of the equation between Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, where any of these sites are like, maybe you shouldn't share that. Like there's no there's no stop there's no stopgap for any of this.
1: Well, exactly. Like the entire goal of these sites is to get as many shares as possible, and so what you should do naturally is have like, uh, oh, what's the word that they have with stock the stock market when it goes too too quickly?
0: I don't know. I call I, I imagine it's like a big crank that they hit, and they're just like, yeah, stop buying uh, GameStop, and then they pull it.
1: Yeah, but it's like a fail safe. It's like if it drops more than five hundred points or something in a day, then it. it pauses for half an hour so it's kind of like it's got these uh, its a fail safe it's a something like that but it's an emergency stop and what they should have is all video should have that so for like an hour you just can't share it you can't engage with it and it just locks the engagement and therefore slows it down that would be a good way to do this not gonna happen
0: uh no i mean and it gets complicated especially if this was like like imagine if like imagine if this fake version of this julie woman was picked up um by i don't know like elite daily or some sort of i'm trying to think of like like a like the kind of tabloid that would because the the post wouldn't pick it up like imagine a tabloid picked it up and they wrote very exo jane there's a throwback wow yeah Yeah. like imagine that happened i think about exo jane constantly
1: because i feel like it tells us so much about this era we ended
0: up in i do we should do an exo jane retrospective yeah i worked for a competitor as one of my first internships Um, I had to, I had to aggregate women's health news every morning as like a 19 year old. It was a very strange job. Um, so, but like, um, like if, if like with, like with the Hunter iron laptop, like Facebook tried to limit the spread of that story. Facebook has like gotten involved a few times. Facebook said that they were going to limit the spread of misinformation around the Derek Chauvin trial, depending on the verdict. Like these platforms have tried to do it, but I feel like to try to do it now after so many years of not doing it is like almost worse because it creates like this is why i keep circling around being like what's the answer here because like then you get the streisand effect where like you try to remove them from the internet you slow it down and people just want to share it even more
1: yeah exactly and you know facebook then becomes the story and then fox news runs 72 hours of like why is facebook censoring conservatives
0: everything goes horribly wrong again yeah exactly just like exhaust it's exhausting to even think about
1: you know we actually have a big social media protest going on over here this weekend
0: uh what kind of, protest is in not using social media or protest is in as yeah, using social so media so
1: all you're going to you're going to really enjoy both the 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 subject of this and their goal all um football <laughs> clubs football players and football related accounts are having like a 4-day blackout on social media uh in order to force the companies to uh remove anonymity
0: Remove anonymity.
1: Yeah, the big plan is that they just think people shouldn't be allowed to be anonymous online, and that would stop abuse. Like there, there is a problem with racial abuse in in, in football. Like an awful lot of players get racially abused, um, particularly on on social media. Afterwards, it happens in the stadium as well, but they have enough cameras in stadiums now, particularly in uh, top level stadiums, that they basically catch them and ban them for life. Um, so you get less of it in the stadiums, but you get a lot of it on social media. Like after a player gets, you know, fucks up or something, and yeah this is the the big plan is going to be a boycott they're going to try and force social media companies into action but the action that they specifically keep coming up with is remove anonymity and i keep wanting to point out like have you guys used facebook
0: i mean my first thought is just like you know to think that you as football fans can do that um that's like that's very high-minded to think that you guys are <laughs> going to be the one to get rid of anonymity nice like okay sure second I have very complicated thoughts about that because I'm not sure that any problem on the internet can be fixed by removing of anonymity. And I'm actually pretty convinced that you would cause a lot more problems. Very few things that bother me on a daily basis about the internet, I would say, have anything to do with anonymity.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's the primary cause or underlying thing of any of this.
0: In fact, all of the worst people on the internet, I know their names. I know exactly who they are. They're all verified. Yeah. <laughs> like, all of the worst <laughs> users are verified. Like, I that doesn't fix anything.
1: I mean, they had Donald Trump tweeted under his real name for years.
0: Yeah, all of the shit that Donald Trump says, he says under his name. Like,
1: yeah. like And he now says via, via
0: press release. Exactly. So, you know, this is uh, – we don't really have any advice for how to fix this. Um, this is probably going to get worse. I mean, I think the main one is don't
1: play into it. Like so much of this is once you dig into it, everything ends up being more complicated and less interesting than you think it is. Uh, yes. And, and sometimes, and sometimes there is no good dunk.
0: No, because like, I think even dunking is part of it. Like even that, like, like that doesn't really help. Um, sometimes the best dunk is dunk left undunked. It's been very frustrating. It's been very, very funny and weird and frustrating to spend the last three months in, in like a small town outside of Boston talking to, like, people here, you know, about whatever's going on and just, like, sensing the, like, overwhelming confusion about what's going on outside, like, on yep. Twitter or, like, in cities or in politics. Like, like especially around, like, vaccine stuff. There's just, like, this overwhelming, like, fatigue, like, information fatigue. And I don't know how you go about fixing it, but I do think not playing into this stuff is half of the way you fix it yeah almost definitely yeah my i got a haircut today and i was asked like what dogecoin was you know (laughs) and it's like come on (laughs) come on i don't want we don't have to do this we don't need to talk about dogecoin (laughs) no one ever
1: has to talk about dogecoin um
0: hey luke have you consumed any content to stay sane this week?
1: I think I think that it is probably time that we talk about Falcon and Winter
0: Soldier. Okay, I'm going to play uh, everyone's favorite song, which is the spoiler alert song that features my voice in multiple different pitch shifting. And uh, then we're going to talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Before we go over to that... Um, if you <laughs> this is gonna be really good. okay before we go over to our falcon and winter soldier recap podcast within a podcast if you would like to listen to our other podcasts that we put behind <laughs> patreon uh, head over to patreon.com the content minds. this week will be post oh, <laughs> this week I'll be sharing an episode of Luke and I talking about fast and furious six also now on our patreon will be recordings of the conversations and interviews that I have on side channel which is a discord that content minds subscribers get access to along with garbage day subscribers the first one went up today matt sandcomb the um co-founder of the hard times it's like a punk rock satire site i interviewed him yesterday it was a great conversation if you missed it if you want to read it uh, there's a transcript uh if you want to listen to it it's up there uh and i might be trying to find like cool ways later in the year to use some of these interviews in content minds episodes if like luke and i want to go on a vacation or something like, who knows? <laughs> so, uh, but it's, it's over on our Patreon, patreon.com slash the content minds. Um, you get access to a, a movie club that we do. You get access to two different discords. I think it's a good deal. Um, and, uh, it keeps the show afloat. The discords are really good. I've been really enjoying the discords. Uh, yeah. If you want to hang out with Luke, he is talking about football in a sports, almost, f- almost in- exclusively. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. Uh, I did not expect garbage day to become like, the sports section of the the side channel discord but that's what's happened and it's great um without further ado let's go talk about falcon and winter soldier warning we are entering the spoiler zone Yo, I hate this show <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was weird uh, there's not there's 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 a there's a few things I liked I liked Isaiah Bradley I liked the early kind of plot of US agent before they redeemed him or whatever I uh, I think I think Julia Louise Dreyfus will be cool going forward but like there's so much of this show that I just like don't even understand there was
1: a brief period where I thought they were going to make the head of the Flag Smashers, the new Captain America. Uh, wait, like that girl, the, the Carly girl? Yeah. Like they, they and I was like, "Oh, wow, is this thing you're setting up? That would be amazing." They didn't do that. They just killed her instead.
0: The Flag Smashers like m- trying f- to make me take like Dalston community theater players seriously as an international terrorist organization. Like the, the people who would be smoking rollies out front of the vice UK office, like, and they're the big bads of this. Like I can't deal with it. I can't deal with it. And then the whole thing of like being anti-nationalists who want better rights for refugees as your big bad guy. Like I don't. Well, I mean, we've
1: said all along that the best, the best Marvel villains are the ones who are correct ultimately. And they definitely did that here, but in such a way that it was kind of like, I don't quite understand what anyone's trying to achieve it. Like so so going through everyone's story, there are a bunch of interesting stories there. So uh Falcon's story, or Captain America's story, is interesting. Like the yeah. idea of you know, and I think the fact that they actually had um uh they actually had the Winter Soldier, they had Bucky say I don't think me or Steve appreciated what it would what it would mean for a, a a black man to pick up the shield of Captain America. Like and I think that that kind of like his all of Falcon's stuff with kind of like dealing with that was really good. Going back to meet Isaiah Bradley, really good. I think Bucky's storyline, they didn't quite know what they were doing with him. No. Uh the kind of just being like, he's sad and bummed about when he murdered some people while he was had his brain changed by a different thing. I don't know why they've reintroduced Zemo. I don't really understand what Sharon Carter was doing there. No. Other than just like being like bitter. Uh there was a lot of confusion generally with the plot. I think particularly part of this felt pandemic induced. Like, so definitely.
0: It was. Uh, a bunch of YouTubers ran with this like scoop thing from Murphy's Multiverse that was saying that there was a, a like a virus storyline that was cut out and changed at the last minute. The showrunner came out and said, no, it was not a virus thing, but there was a there was like serious changes made. Yeah. And like you can tell like I I sort of think the Flag Smashers were added later. I don't know if they were added. I just don't know if they were necessarily the big bad originally. Yeah, like I like nothing involving the Flag Smashers actually takes place anywhere. It's all in like these weird liminal spaces that were clearly brought in afterwards. And then all, or it happens via like newsreel footage that people watch on phones. There's no like there's it, to me, it almost feels like the Flag Smashers were like a one or two episode thing that then reveals Zemo as the actual guy running them.
1: Yeah. It was it was just it felt a lot of weird stuff and they'd moved things around and there were just bunches of really confused episodes. I think it was episode 3 which was just gibberish basically.
0: Which one is episode 3? The one in Berlin
1: with where the first they meet Sharon Carter again. Is that 3? I don't know if that's 3. Oh, where
0: they go to Madripoor. Majapur, yeah. Yeah, like it, yeah. that that episode doesn't mean anything.
1: Yeah. It's oh the whole yeah, the whole thing is really weird and yeah, I don't know how much credit to give them because they did have some nice ideas, but equally like the final thing I was just like I don't really know what I've watched here.
0: To me, it honestly feels like they needed Falcon to be Captain America for Captain America 4, and they didn't really know how to do it, and they didn't want to deal with the race elements of it in a movie that would be distributed globally. Yeah, And so they needed a way to, like, get over that in a place that wouldn't impact their movie sales in China. That's, that's kind of how I see it.
1: That, or they just didn't want to go back to doing origin stories, which I buy.
0: Yeah. I buy that too. But like,
1: but knowing how bad origin stories were, I don't know why they go back and do an origin story here.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And like the, 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 Falcon winter soldier show, like just buries so much of the interesting stuff. Like, is it a show about Bucky making amends? I'd watch that. That sounds really interesting. Is it a show about Falcon, like learning about the existence of Isaiah Bradley and dealing with like the legacy of the super soldier program? I'd watch that is like, yeah, there's so many good ideas in the show and it does not do a single thing with any of them. And you at us agent, when they make him like part of their little like squad at the end, I was like, I almost like threw my laptop. I was like, I'm out of here. Like this sucks u.s agent is like a notorious scumbag like he is one of the longest running notorious scumbags in the marvel universe and like we literally watched him cut a man's head off the whole world watched him cut a man's head off
1: yeah uh and there was there was a bunch of people who thought that that was the cool bit and it was like no no that was the moment where everything changes and it didn't totally change and they kind of went eh, whatever
0: exactly that's the other problem the whole thing of like No consequences for this. Then why did we do this? Like, why even do it? Why give awful people their own Captain America if you're not going to like say something about it?
1: Yeah, it was just it was confused and didn't quite figure out what it wanted to say. And it 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 definitely un like clearly they're building Julie Dreyfus as something else. Uh, Like she's going to have bigger storylines in the future, but it also didn't quite nail that. And it I don't know, it just didn't it didn't stick the landing. It didn't stick. any part of it
0: no I didn't there was nothing to stick Um, yeah a weird show yeah it's weird but I'm excited for Loki (laughs) yeah If you liked this little segment and you stuck around for it, you'll probably really like our Patreon exclusive podcast post post credit scene. You can find that at patreon.com slash the content minds. If you subscribe to that, you get access to the garbage day discord. You get access to the side channel discord. It's a whole little media network. Uh, We're always trying to figure out new cool ways to give you guys as much value as I can physically do uh, without... Reaching some sort of mental breaking point. So, um, yeah, five bucks, you get the whole pass. And we're currently marathoning the Fast and the Furious franchise. We are going over to that podcast right now to do that episode. We have three more, I think, in that series. Uh, and then we'll be moving on to a new franchise. If you have any ideas uh, for which franchise we should do next, let us know. We're still taking uh, suggestions. Um, I really actually don't know what, what we should do, but... Um, yeah,
1: I have not thought about it a huge amount. We'd have, we have to look at the release schedule of some movies and see see what were, what were the best
0: option is. It's weird that you haven't thought about it, because I've been thinking a lot about it, but I, I guess oh, that's no, I have not. sort of... What,
1: well, I I, we're still, we still have four movies in this series to go. No, we have three. We also... F9 will be out by the end of this.
0: Well, depending on how we're able to watch that and in, in, in yes. what theaters. But yeah, part, theoretically, yes, we could, we could probably do that. So, anyways, let us know. Um, ooh, what about the Planet of the Apes reboot? Um, I, I, are there enough Planet of the Apes to do that? There's three. The the the, the James Franco reboot the, that turned into like an incredibly oh. good oh series. Yeah, maybe. There's like a whole bunch of ways we could go. Let us know what you think. Um, and uh, if something makes you angry on the internet, um, just like stop for a second and be like, does someone want me to be angry? And think about why, <laughs> and what incentives that would mean.
1: It really helps, like constantly suspect everyone around you of nefarious motives. It's really good for your mental health. Start asking questions.
0: You know, <laughs> um,
1: this is exactly what what happened with Alex Jones. Like this is exactly how
0: th- this is how we become the next Joe Rogan. This is ex- yeah. yeah. Keep your third eye open. Let's ask some questions. Content minors.